John Nodge Podcast. With your host, Hodgie the Hack. Hello there, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Hodge on the Spot. So, this is kind of back to front a wee bit. I'm on the left as if I'm going to host today's Hodge on Nodge, but this is a new thing. This is Hodge on the Spot. This was all Ollie Middleton to my left's idea. So, just before we go into the, the actual Hodge on the Spot, Ollie, tell us what your idea is with this. Um, well, I think in our um space at the weekend i think i described it as a bit like 20 questions um mm -hmm. and i think probably it's going to be a bit like if it's a defeat be a bit more of an interrogation essentially but basically it's going to be about asking I, i'm not dean smith questions yeah that's very <laughs> true <laughs> but yeah we're just basically you're going to get a bit more of your opinion Hodgie, because i mean you don't have enough opportunity to give your opinion really. no i don't mate <laughs> this is only podcast two of four today uh exactly. now one other thing is tell our listeners a bit about me yeah, a bit about me a bit about yourself and about how you've been helping me out with everything because you have been i should tell people a very much an integral part of what we've been doing with hodge on nodge for the very start albeit behind the scenes but um you've been statistician you've been production <laughs> dude you've been a social media clips guy You've been basically jack of all trades, mate, but this is your time to become a master. Exactly. It's my time to become a man now. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> I've just, yeah, jack of all trades, just doing what you need me to do, basically. Um, Good stuff. And now doing the proper stuff, really. Isn't it? Well, that's it. So with Hodge on the spot, it's going to be short and snappy. I'm going to give my opinion on all stuff Norwich City. We'll probably do these if there's really big news, kind of week to week, but... If uh, on a standard kind of month, I think we'll do two, maybe three of these a push every month. But Ollie, my man, the floor is yours to then give the platform to me. Suspense. <laughs> Let's get things rolling then. Um, so we've obviously got the pleasure of dissecting a Norwich City win, eh? 2 1 against Southampton for Dean Smith's first match in charge. How are we feeling? Still riding that wave of elation? Um, what are your kind of overriding thoughts? I think you've got to be really happy. I think you've got to be pleased that Norwich City have got to the point of eight points even. Because I, I, there's one point this season where I thought that's going to be a... Like, I mean, it could be the new year before we hit that mark. But great that Daniel Farker got to sign off with a win. Even better that Dean Smith started with a win. The club can stay up now. The trajectory is positive once again. So we've got to be happy about that. I think there was that infamous tweet earlier on in the season where that robot predicted we'd only get eight points. Um, so we've met that now. So progress for certain. That's um, but those opening 45 minutes didn't entirely go to plan, did they? I mean, personally, I thought Southampton were actually really good in that game. Um, but do you have any sort of worries associated with what was really a bit of a negative and the kind of a muddled first half for going forward? Or do you think it was simply teething issues at this point? I think what had happened is the, the clear directive was to get the ball forward, use it when we've got it, rather than passing it around the way we would under Daniel Farka, hoping for, for a gap to appear. I think it was get the ball forward quickly, use it productively. And I think we did that, but I think we maybe got a bit lost in that directive. Dean Smith said himself, press wasn't good enough first half, didn't get our uh, number uh, eights close enough to their number sixes, so we moved further up the pitch, 
and definitely got that press working uh, even further up the pitch. But the key thing for me was players were sprinting back if uh, the, it got past them. They were getting rather than jogging back, they were sprinting back into position. Grant Hanley, Ben Gibson throwing themselves into blocks and tackles, and uh, I think that was true for, for, mm. for people all over the field. But yeah, I think in the first half, even though it wasn't ideal, the key thing was we hung in there mm. because yeah. we would have lost that game under Daniel Farker. I think that's clear. So the fact that we hung in there, the fact that we showed that we can do that kind of side of the game, even that was progress in itself, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm 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 in in some ways, even though we played pretty poorly, it, it gives you even more reason to be positive that we went in level. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I mean, I'm still happy with that first half in, in that <laughs> regard. And I kind of think in the long run, having a half like that where we hung in there could be really good for the players. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, the second half, I mean, superb. Eh? I mean, the change was Unreal. incredible. Uh, what were your thoughts on that second half? What What changed? <laughs> well, what I said there, they, they pressed higher up. I think they used the ball better. I think there, it was just a case of kind of keeping that level of confidence, but applying the, the tactical sort of nuances and changes that, that Dean Smith wanted to employ. The other thing that you need to give massive credit for is, I think Todd Cantwell was in there, and I think it was important to put him in there from the start for what that symbolised. Mm -hmm. But then Sargent in the second half came on and was outstanding. I think we've seen there that there's a player who... His endeavour could be really positive for Norwich, and he came on in that second half. I think the very first thing that happened in the second half was him pressing someone quite high up the pitch and winning a throw-in for Norwich City. That was indicative of what was to come from him and from the team in the second half. So I think that was that was where it kind of lay the, the, the secret to the success, if you like. I think Sargent in particular, I mean, he's had... A pretty tough time of things since he arrived with us, um, I think. But mm -hmm. I don't think anyone can deny his work rate is exceptional. And Very if we sort of keep going along this route of going with this aggressive high press going forward, how integral do you think his work rate could be a part of that? And do you think he'll have to start with that work rate going forward in a high pressing system? I think, yeah, I, th I think he'll play whatever team he thinks is right for for the tactical situation of the game that we're going into. I'm not sure that will always be a, a situation where we need Josh Sargent. And I think having a striker that, that kind of lacks productivity in the goals front like him as he has throughout his career, I think it's almost... You, you're, you're taking something out of the team if you play him instead of someone else. But I think his endeavour combined with, say, the flair of a Rashidza or a Cantwell or whatever either side of them, then I, I think it's I think it's a nice foil for mm -hmm. if you do go with a, a, maybe a more flamboyant, less I don't want to say less hardworking, but but a player who relies less on that endeavour and that work rate. I think mm -hmm. it could be a nice balance in terms of styles, but I also think there will be games where you want a Todd Cantwell and a Milot Rashid's in the team, or a Todd mm -hmm. Cantwell and uh, Christos Cholis or a Rashidza and a Cholis. I, I think there's going to be different situations that demand different game plans, but I think over the course of the season, Sargent's going to be massive. Mm, I think that's the main takeaway there, isn't it? We've got options now, which is just... Exactly that. We haven't really seen in quite a while. But um, you touched on it a minute ago. Flashback to 2pm, Dean Smith drops his, his mic almost and drops 
<laughs> the most anticipated starting lineup of the season. Billy's back in, Todd Campbell's back in. Let's sort of look at them a little bit quickly. So, Billy Gilmore, I'm obviously a Scotland fan like you, mate. I mean, I am all aboard the Billy Gilmore hype locomotive. <laughs> oh, I no, I mean, absolutely. What do you think of his performance at the weekend? And how vital do you think he could be to any Norwich City survival this season? I mean, he's going to be absolutely integral. Billy Gilmore <laughs> gives us the bit that we lost with Wendia and that he can prize open a, a defence with, with his magic in terms of his passing, the way he's passing, his ingenuity, his creativity. I wrote about this, actually. Scotland scored their opening goal against Moldova and Billy Gilmore was the chess master. I think it showed exactly what he can do for Norwich City in terms of getting people to work round about him and then being able to play the right passes that not necessarily an assist, because he didn't get an assist for his pass and, and the move that the Scotland had for that opening goal against Moldova, but he came through the Rangers youth team with Nathan Patterson, who was playing on the right for Scotland, mm-hmm. on the right of a, a kind of back five, and he had a word with Patterson, he said, look, make a run inside, right? And he basically, he's the chess master saying, make a run inside to Patterson. He then zips a pass into John McGinn, who's a quality player. McGinn mm-hmm. flicks it on, towards the penalty spot for Patterson, who takes a touch, and Patterson gets out of his feet, and, and the finish is there from, from the young Rangers man. That was what was Scotland's opening goal. Billy Gilmore won't come up in the the box score, to use a, a basketball term. It won't come up as his assist or anything like that, but he was very much the architect of that move, and it was about understanding the movement of players round about them, their abilities, giving them ideas for where they can make runs that can... And I think the, the fact that he felt that he was comfortable enough to give that leadership to see to mm-hmm. Patterson, he's obviously come through the ranks with him as a young guy, which is maybe why he was comfortable to do that. I want to see Billy Gilmore doing that same thing for Norwich City, bossing players older than him around, telling them what he needs from them that can allow him to be that creator-in-chief. And I think he can do that for Norwich City. The one thing I will say is I'm surprised he got man of the match. He wasn't my man of the match. Timu Puki yeah. was. But, uh, yeah, I, I think getting him in the team was really important. You mentioned Cantwell. Todd Cantwell can be massive for Norwich City. But I think the difference is, I think we have other options that can do some of what Cantwell can do in the same kind of positions. We don't have another Billy Gilmore in the team, which is why I think he's going to be mm-hmm. integral. No, I think that's that's a fair point. And I think we definitely saw signs to be optimistic for going forward as well. But um, on Todd briefly, I think... Looking back to last season, we all know how good Todd could be. I mean, we all know the potential he has. Um, but it's pretty evident that he's maybe not fit at the moment or he's not in the right flow of things. Um, do you think that realistically, Dean Smith can continue to start Campwell when he's not at that peak fitness and to, to allow him to get up to that level? Can he mm. do that? I don't think you can keep starting them. I think that was more about the the symbolic element of making sure that Todd Cantwell knows mm-hmm. he's part of what is happening. And that was one of the real positives for me. Yanilis coming out after the end and tweeting about the result, even though he, he didn't get any minutes and Brandon Williams was quality in his position. Mm-hmm. I, I think everyone seems bought in and that's the difference. Everyone seems really bought into what's happening and positive about what's happening. And I think they all know they're going to get a chance at some point. And it's up to them to take that chance. And the fact that we've got competition in the squad and they're going to be, they're going to have that chance to stake that claim, but it's not going to be given to them. 
I think is really important. So I don't think Todd will just be gifted placing the team till he, he gets back up to that level of sharpness. But I think he knows once he is, he will be very much part of things. So I think it was more of a symbolic thing, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Todd dropped to the bench for mm. for the Wolves game. But I think, as well as that, I think Todd's probably got 20 good minutes in him, and I think he's the first person you probably turn to on the bench because he mm. is proven, and that's the difference with him and, say, Cholis, as Cholis is someone that's, that's adapting to a new league, a new country, and hasn't shown it yet in the Premier League. Todd Cantwell has. And that mm. is that. What a card that is to play for from your bench for Norwich City, uh, if they need it. And I think that will be his role for for maybe the next couple of weeks at least till he gets mm. that level of sharpness and fitness back. But yeah, just great to have Todd back in the picture and not with the under twenty threes, isn't it? Yeah, I think everybody wants to see Todd get back to his best, don't they? I I think even last season when he was he had those issues obviously with Farker. Um, and he sort of slowly built his way back up. I remember, and he eventually got that first start away I think at home to Cardiff, and he scored absolute bullet. <laughs> it was great. Um, so hopefully more of that. Last couple of quick questions for you. Absolutely. Um, touched on a couple of players potentially missing out. I think some of the big, well, some of the names that did miss out at the weekend. We obviously didn't have Sorensen in the squad. Amadeli missed out as well, and also Ozan Kabak wasn't anywhere near the squad. Where do you think this leaves them? Omo Bamadeli will get a chance at some point, and I think it's important that that young man's progress doesn't stagnate. I think he was the really unlucky one to be dropped mm-hmm. of anyone. I, I thought of the three changes, he was the one that, that did himself absolutely no harm when he came in. So, yeah, Big Andy's going to be massive for this club, and I think he has superb quality and um, like a really high ceiling for a player of his age. Kabak is clearly a wonderful footballer and a decent defender. But I wonder if he's a player that you play when you play a back three. I'm not sure he plays in a back four. I don't is know he if getting he above Omobamadeli? Not for me right now. I play Omobamadeli no. before I play him. Uh, what no. I think it might come down to is I think Kabak's slightly more comfortable playing on both sides even though Omobamadeli had that decent game from the kind of left centre-back slash left-back uh, against Leeds, where he was he was the best at trying to foil Rafinha, but Rafinha mm-hmm. still had the, the, the moment of quality that told in that game. So, yeah, I, I think Omobamadeli I would have above Kabak right now. Kabak, I think, is a good player, but has relegations on his CV as well. So there's positives and negatives with him. But I think he can be. I think he can be part of things. But Andrew Omobamadeli is the one I care about more. And mm-hmm. I would, if I was Norwich City, I would prioritise his development over Kabak's. And I think they will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rightfully so as well. I think. Uh, last one then. Um, looking at the game overall, statistically, Southampton pretty much dominated it. I know not everybody likes expected goals, but... Lies, damn lies and statistics, mate. Uh, do you think then? Fortunate three points or fully... No, tell us, tell us the XG. I've not seen it. Norwich's was just 0.44 and Southampton's was over one. Just over one. Okay. Uh, that's a game that I enjoy if I'm playing it on Football Manager uh, yeah. as opposed to if I'm the, <laughs> the Southampton boss. Mm-hmm. 
football, yeah, I'm not a big fan of the whole expected goals thing. I like it in Football Manager because it's a, a good indicator. Well, it's a very simplistic way to indicate how your team's mm-hmm. kind of played. Uh, so it's good to interpret it that way. But actual real football, I, I don't pay that much heed to it unless there's a, a huge differential. I think what that shows is, I think Norwich City defended with a lot of application and did get lucky a few times. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I will say that, that the luck was with us. But we got that first win and that will imbue a massive sense of confidence in the players that they can go out. And the, we're going to be able to read a lot about what's going to happen in the fullness of the season by the way that the Wolves game goes. Um, maybe not so much the result, but I think the, the performance, particularly first half, will tell us a lot about just how much confidence can do for these players. Because the manager had a bit of belief in them going into this game. They now can have belief in themselves. They'll get two wins in the trot. Let's make it three. But yeah, um, in, in terms of the statistical side of it, it was all about the result. It was all about the result. And almost it's even better for for the statistics that you say, as I was suggesting earlier, being able to hang in there, being able to do the dirty side of it, and then being clinical. What that tells me is we were really clinical. Mm-hmm. And that's, that. I mean, McCarthy was poor for both goals, the Southampton keeper. But yeah, I, I think anything that you can extrapolate from that reflects positively in Norwich rather than negatively. I think maybe as Daniel Park put quality at both ends of the pitch in this one. And that's it. My compliments um, to, to him for his time at Norwich Day. Indeed. That'll be me then, mate. Thank you very, very much for answering my Cracking all. You got through it. <laughs> I did. And oh, I like it, mate. It's a bit different content-wise. I'm normally the chief asker of questions, so I think this is a good a good platform. And it kind of, if people are wondering why it's called Hodge on the Spot, it's kind of a, an extension of the Hodge Spot which I used to do for the On The Ball podcast with Michael Bailey, which I will be on on the night of recording tonight. I'll probably <laughs> release this later in the week. But Ollie, we'll be doing more of these, mate. Great job. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you to the listeners and the watchers, If whether you're listening to this in the audio podcast after the event or whether you're watching the YouTube premiere that we put out, then thank you very much for that. As per the wee bar at the bottom, you can subscribe to my channel on YouTube. And I'm very close to the magic thousand subscribers on YouTube. So get subscribed. Tell your mum, your dog, your dad, your cousins, whoever it's going to be to get subscribed on there. I would be very, very grateful. And if you are listening to us on the podcast, remember that you can give us a rating or subscribe to us on the podcast channels as well so you can find us on all of those you can find Hodgie the Hack that's myself on all social media H-O-D-G-E-Y the Hack all one word so that's Instagram Facebook Twitter of course and of course YouTube if you're watching on here but thank you very much everyone for watching thank you to Ollie and on the ball city